0: Welcome to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that Jesus is needed and relevant for people in Vancouver today. The message of God's love and promise of wholeness was destined to be experienced within a faith community that worships, studies scripture, and prays together. We warmly welcome you to journey with us towards greater connection, purpose, and peace. We'll be sharing our recorded services and conversations with health and wellness experts. Enjoy.
1: We're starting this series in February, a teaching series called What is Love? And so today we're looking at um, where we find this description of God's boundless love. And in a lot of conversations I have where people are struggling with relationships, it tends to center on healthy boundaries. Can I exhibit God's condition, unconditional and boundless love? to somebody. But what happens when the relationship is toxic? What happens when it's hurtful? What happens when I'm losing myself in the middle of that? Hosea is born in like the eighth century before Jesus appears on the scene. And at this time, this promised land and this, this dream of a kingdom, of a people representing God's grace, gracious love has really gone south. is really um soured, the Assyrian Empire has moved in, totally conquered, invaded, infiltrated. and God's people begin to adopt the ways of the Canaanite. And one of their main uh, gods of the Canaanites is known as Baal. And it is well documented through archaeology now that um, this was a God in which they would sacrifice children. Babies, infants. And all of these practices, when you read the archaeological texts, they're fueled by this consuming greed and a desire for power, to own more, to have more, to be able to control more. And then on the scene, we find Hosea, who, like several other stories in scripture, echoes this idea that there's still a little remnant, a little pocket of people. Who are faithful. And so we see that also, like a prophet, um, Hosea is called to become a walking object lesson. So often we read the, these prophets and they're doing strange things and they're enacting uh, peculiar behaviors. It's To kind of drill through people this very tangible concept of what God is going through or a warning. It's so that they are left without excuse in understanding the devastation they're inviting upon themselves. The Lord says, Hosea, bro, I'm about to put Israel on blast because they ghosted me. I want you to take a wife who's unfaithful because Israel has been unfaithful to me. I want you to go and marry a prostitute and have children who come from this unfaithfulness. This is going to represent how the nation of Israel has abandoned me and become a prostitute to other masters. So Hosea, because he's a faithful man of God, does as he's instructed. He marries this woman named Gomer, and they give really strange names to the children. The first son, they name Jezreel, which really means scatter. The daughter comes along, they name her No Mercy. And the next son comes and they name him Not My People. And in fact, there's several hints and indications as we read Through Hosea, that these children are not legitimately his children. And it doesn't stop there. Gomer straight up fails to trust Hosea and leaves him. This brings us to a very clear statement in Hosea chapter 2, verse 2, where God says, She's not my wife anymore. I'm not her husband. This is a declaration of divorce, this is a separation. And this is an example of some of the boundaries that God sets even though he is a God of boundless love. The good news is that though this separation is absolutely deserved and right and justified, it's not irreversible. She has chased after customers saying, I'm looking for my lovers, the ones who give me bread and water, Wool, flax and oil and wine. We read a little further and God is kind of giving us this insight. She doesn't know it is me. I was the one who made her rich, but she devoted these things to another. Where are we looking for our prosperity, our security, our provision, and where are we deluded and thinking it's come from that job, that network, that association. Where do we fail to acknowledge that all of those little blessings, all of those provisions were really set up and sent to us by God himself. And we read that God's intention very clearly in verse 14 and 15, once she has nothing, then I'll be able to get through to her. I love this phrase verse 15, and then I will restore her vineyards and turn the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. This is the God that I worship and love and adore is the God who is long suffering, who tolerates it when we rebel against him, when we betray him, when we ignore him, when we sort of use his name in vain or, or horrible representatives of the character of Jesus. And sometimes this is the God who has to let us hit rock bottom. Some of you know this story more so than others. You know what it's like to struggle with somebody who's getting pulled under in addiction or mental despair. You realize there's only so much you can do and that that support is actually digging their trench deeper and deeper. For some people... We have to hit rock bottom. We have to realize that when we have nothing, then God is everything. He is the one that takes us and meets us in the valley of trouble. And he shows us the gateway of hope. And we see that now, though she may have left on her own free will, she's now caught in slavery. There are other men who are paying to use her. But Hosea goes And he goes to buy her healing. Chapter 3 says, God tells Hosea, go and love this woman who's being loved by someone else in adultery. Care for her. Protect her. Just as I love the people of Israel, even though they remain unfaithful. Turning to other gods. Hosea says in verse 2, so I paid the bride price for this woman. He pays the bride price. In some, he, it says he would pay to own a slave. But he buys her back at a great price. Again, illustrating and, and existing as a very metaphor for the creator who's about to pay a very high price. For the people he already owns. He buys back and starts the relationship afresh. The trust has to be rebuilt. There has to be proof that this faithfulness is reciprocated. Hosea two sixteen to 19 God is speaking that I swear that the day will come when she'll call me husband and never address me as master again as she did those other gods. You see, in Hebrew, there's a word play going on. The word for master is Baal. It's different. God is saying in Hebrew, you are going to call me Ish. You are going to call me husband. This is the very same word that Adam says about Eve. When Adam looks at Eve, he says, this is Isha because she came from part of me. She came from my heart. This demonstrates the kind of mutualism, the kind of balanced and equal relationship that God wants to have even as we are mortals, even as we are humans. He wants to have this desired relationship in which we see each other on an equal level, in which we can share that love between us. That is not dictated out of fear or coercion or who owes who what, but is out of true, pure, and perfect love. This is not going to be the relationship that was predominant between husbands and wives of the day or between um, gods and their worshipers of the day. One that was consumed with demonstration of dominance and power. This is a sacrificial love. A servant love. If we go back to Israel's liberation, kind of like the birth of them as as a people called out, we see that God has brought them to Mount Sinai. And again, there's really strong echoes of the Jewish wedding ceremony. They go to the mountain. It's covered by clouds there's vows, there's celebration, song, and dances. And to the Jewish reader, they see and recognize this is a wedding ceremony. This is a covenant declaration, a covenant relationship. And while God is receiving the vows, the people quickly have given up and they've cast a golden idol, a calf. And Moses comes down with the the Ten Commandments and he can't understand how quickly they would betray their god how quickly they would abandon him but god calls moses to come back up the mountain let's try this again let's renew our vows already it hasn't even been a week but let's acknowledge the vows were broken and say them again and in exodus 34 We find where God first describes his character, first describes himself to humanity. The Lord says to Moses, I am compassionate. I am gracious. I am slow to anger. I have boundless love and faithfulness. And I will maintain that love to a thousand generations, forgiving wickedness Rebellion and sin, but I will not merely clear the guilty. Rahum Hanun Areik Rav Hased Emeth. These are the Hebrew words merciful compassion, gracious, long suffering, boundless, abundant, loving kindness, and truth loyal, steadfast. The God of good deedliness is the best way to translate this into English. The God who never stops doing good deeds on, for our sake and on our behalf. Hosea 2 verse 21 to 23. God is looking forward to this moment of reconciliation, this moment of redemption. It's not these wooden and metal and stone images. I'm the one who will bring the rains again. I will want, be the one to see the land flourish in fertility and not just in agricultural abundance, this prophecy, this prediction, this door of hope, this gateway of hope is found again in Hosea chapter one. Where he's saying, look, you're, you're turning from me. You're going down the path of self-destruction. But I want you to know it won't always be this way. Someday, there's going to be so many people who are connected to Israel. Who are essentially the, the heirs of Abraham. They'll be like grand, grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. This is the Abrahamic covenant. My faithful promise will be true. I'm going to remain loyal for the people of Judah and the people of Israel. Remember the nation divided are one day going to be united in a single nation and they'll agree on only one leader. We are living in those days where we as Christians inherit the promise of Abraham, where we form this covenant um inheritance where we are the children of God and from every nation, tribe, and tongue united under a single king who is Jesus. And how do we get there? How do we seize the the open door that God has left for his estranged spouse to return home? We can find that in the closing chapter of this book. Hosea 14 says, return Israel to the eternal one your true God say to him bring us Lord into your good grace so we can offer you praise and sacrifice let us be able to tell the story of how we rejected you we thought less of you we ignored you let us tell the story of your gracious love your unfailing love your long-suffering love your your ever-bearing love let us let that be the praise that moves other people to want to know you. It's not how many nuclear weapons we own or how many fighter jets or how many war tanks. These are the things that will not save us. Our bank account, our stockpile, our doomsday sellers. What are we holding? What are we shaping and making by our own hands that draw our devotion and our attention away from God? Know that God is merciful because he takes care of orphans. The Eternal One responds and says, I will heal your apostate hearts. I'll make it so you won't want to turn from me again. I'll love you freely. I won't be angry. I'll be like the dew that waters the land of Israel and shall blossom like a lily. I am a flourishing juniper tree and I'm gonna provide for you year round. God's love is evergreen. The wise will understand these things. The perceptive will know. For everything the eternal one does is right and righteousness follows his ways.
0: But those who turn against him will stumble on the path. Thank you for listening to OAC Vancouver's podcast, Learn more at oacvancouver.ca. If you're in Vancouver, join us for worship Saturdays at 11 a.m. at 5350 Bailey Street. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. God bless you and have a wonderful day.